0: that this is really just a substitute and in no way should forsake the uh, gathering together of the local church body. We believe that the local church is God's plan A in speaking of the gospel. So please come hang out with us here at rest um, this Sunday morning with us or um, go find another Bible believing church. Jesus is preparing the church um, that's close to you. I mean, he's challenged you to get plugged in there. Um Jesus loves the church and we love Jesus, and we believe that we can love Jesus better by being locally connected and serving her well. So um, just jump right in with us and we're glad you're here.
1: Hey, hey, good morning, church. I'm Adam, I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm glad that you're hanging out with us for week number four of our study in the book of Romans. Are you glad to be here today? Okay, that was pretty weak, so Are you excited to be uh, in the connection with Jesus and God's people today, church? Okay, okay. Man, I want to I wanna sort of pick up our, uh, the baton where Pastor Cody left it off for us last week in his main point where he said this, how we introduce ourselves Is how we see ourselves. How we introduce ourselves is how we see ourselves. And so to to look backwards to verse seven, I want to greet you this morning by title and just say, good morning, saints, because that's who you are. And, And look at verse seven with me if you have your Bible really quick in Romans chapter one. It says this, to all those in Rome, and also Paducah, who are loved by God, it's good to be loved by God, amen, and called to be Saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now maybe whenever you think of the word saint, that it feels a little bit, it feels a little weird to you. If somebody, if somebody said, you know, hey, 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 Saint Johann, it feels a little awkward. And maybe all kinds of things come into your mind whenever you think of saint. It sure does for me. I have this Rolodex of, of pictures that I think about. The first thing I think about is Drew Brees, the former quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. Um saints fans in here. I think my mom's a big saints fan. Y'all pray for her. Um, And uh, I I think of when the saints come marching in, or maybe if you grew up in the Catholic church, you think about those guys uh, in their liturgical uh, headgear, you know, they kind of, they look like uh, candle extinguishers that they're wearing up top there. Uh, or, Or if you grew up in the Catholic church, maybe you think of those venerated superheroes uh, that, that, that they have. Maybe it's, you know, St. from St. Patrick to St. Valentine to St. Francis, or maybe even to, you know, St. Mary up, up the road from us. And, and so now in the Catholic church, we're not Catholic here, but in the Catholic church, there's actually a 10 step process that you have to follow in order to enter into sainthood, so to speak. And and just run through a couple of those this morning. Um, number one in, in the Catholic church, step one is you have to be Catholic. It's pretty simple, right? Uh, step two is you have to be dead, um, and and we'll just we'll sort of stop right there because we're neither Catholic nor dead, and and so we we wonder, you know, well does this disqualify us from becoming? saints entering into sainthood well uh, according to the catholic church yes and, and, and it makes us wonder like do so do do we need to do, do we need to you know amazon prime in some uh, like a tiara to wear so that we're qualified or or do we need to perform a miracle or have somebody else justify that miracle that we perform in the catholic church yes but according to the scriptures no because he jesus he didn't need a committee he didn't need a clipboard He didn't need a floppy hat um, to identify who he was or who you are in him. Amen. And and in the scriptures, actually pointing back again to to, to verse 7, there's one condition. Just say one, say one. There's one thing that qualifies us as being a saint. we look at this verse to find it. Verse 7, to, to receive grace, that's what I highlighted there. To, when we receive grace, that's, that's salvation through Jesus. We receive his grace through Jesus Christ. And what this does is this brings to you peace from God, reconciliation to him. That's what it's talking about. That's, that's the only condition, church, for you to be a saint, and this is what Pastor Cody unrolled for us last week of, of what the saints look like, what the saints do, that they're called to be, that they're, they're set apart for the gospel. And this is how God sees you. And this is really important because when, when God the Father looks at you, what he does if you're in Christ is he sees you through the lens of his son, Jesus, right? That's what Pastor Cody said. And so when, when God looks at you, he sees his son Jesus. This is an amazing thing. This is some incredible news. This is awesome news, church, that we, that we are saints, that you are saints if you are in Christ. And so you can now, uh, you have permission to add that title saint to the bottom of your social media profile. Uh, um, or if you have a resume and you're getting ready to go to work somewhere, you can put on there, you know, uh, uh, team player, hard worker, and saint. And it'll start up a conversation, I promise you. So, but the reason I'm bringing up this whole picture of saint is because the Apostle Paul, today, what he's going to do is he's going to give a prayer report on on the, the saints that are serving in the church of Rome. And if you'll remember uh, from last week and, and even the weeks prior to that, Paul has really been focused and centered around the gospel. Say gospel. This letter from Paul that he's writing to Rome, it's, it's focused on the gospel. It's gospel-saturated um, from the authority that he lays out in the very beginning. He says, I'm an apostle servant or a servant apostle um, by, by the weight of the gospel through, through the work that Jesus has done. We see that, that Jesus comes from the line of, of David in the flesh, um, that it's all about the gospel. We learned, if, if, if we don't know now, or if we didn't know then, we know now that the gospel first. Is about God, and that the gospel's not, not uh, uh, about us, but it is for us. But firstly, primarily, the gospel, it's all about God. It's all about Jesus and what, what Jesus has done in, in his own personhood and work uh, back then on the cross, but also what Jesus is currently still doing today in his person and work for the church, amen? For the saints, amen? It's all about the gospel. Paul loves the gospel, so if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Romans chapter 1. We'll read verses 8 through 10 together. This is Paul's prayer report. Paul's prayer report, Romans 1, 8 through 10. And this is what he says. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers asking that somehow by God's will I I may now at last succeed in coming to you and so the, the kind of the big idea from Paul's prayer report today is that there are saints in the church at Rome who are serving there are saints in the church who are serving praise God for the saints who serve right and you guys thought that we came up with that, that benchmark of save people, serve people. But we didn't. It was the Apostle Paul way back in the day. Because there were saints who were already serving. We praise God for those saints who love the church, who love Jesus, who, who give their life and, and work up to his work. And so last week we looked at, at who the saints are really. And we'll, we'll tag some of that today. But mainly we're going to sit down about, around what do the saints actually do? What do what saints actually do? What, what's their conduct? What's their, what's their life? Sort of look like, and, and so we're going to sit around three things this morning from Paul's prayer report that we'll that we'll really sit down on. Number one, it's Paul's thankfulness. Say thankfulness. Paul's thankful for the saints. Next, we'll look the, and see that Paul prays for the saints, and then lastly, we're going to see that Paul has a plan for the saints. He's trying to get to the saints, and so that's kind of our, our, our big idea today: that that, that that saints who serve are thankful, but but they do they do pray. They plan and they pursue. They pray, they plan, and they pursue. And so I'm going to start from Paul's model. Since he starts off with prayer here, I'm going to pray for us. And if you would pray with me, we're going to invite God, the Holy Spirit, to come and help teach us today. So let's pray. Jesus, we, we love you. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you in to this time to teach us, God, that, that you would remove uh, anything in, in me, of me, uh, God, that doesn't point to you. And Lord, help us to see the gospel this morning, God. Thank you, Jesus, for, for all that you've done here at rest, through all of these amazing saints that are here, and, and God, what you're going to continue to do here. And so it gives us excitement and joy, and, and we always have a cause to be thankful, Jesus, because it's all about you. We love you, and all of God's people said, amen, amen, amen. So before Paul does this really kind of deep dive into his theology, what the Apostle Paul is going to do this morning, he's kind of going to peel, peel back the curtain a little bit on his heart. And he's going to show us what his personal prayer life really, really looks like so that we can learn from him on a, a real basic and relational level. And it starts in verse 8 when he says this. Look at your scripture first. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Now notice there. In this verse, how Paul starts. I even I even put it in uh, bold for you. Go back one for me, Caleb. Thank you. First, say first. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. For all of you. This is where the apostle Paul begins this letter. And, and you'll notice here, as he says, first in the text, there's not really a second or a third, uh, as we've read it already. But this is, this isn't a matter of a bullet point list for Paul. This is, a, this is a matter of urgency, of importance, of priority for Paul. And he says, first off, the very first thing that I need you to know as I'm writing this letter to you is that I am thankful. I thank my God through Jesus. And this is, a, this, is a, this is a classic pattern for Paul. This is a super predictable pattern. Um, if you look at the collection of the other letters that he writes to the churches, so there are uh, nine letters to seven churches over a period of 14 years. If you just go today and read those letters, the beginning of the letters, you're going to find all of the same kind of thing. This same kind of start where Paul goes, hey, I'm thankful for you. Hey, grace and peace to you. Uh, I, rem- I remember you um, based off of the gospel through Jesus. Jesus Christ. It's all that sort of same thing. Whenever he writes to the church uh, at, at Ephesus, writing to the saints, he said he thanks the Ephesians. When he writes to the church at uh, Philippi, he says, grace and peace to you. I, I remember you when I'm praying. And this is across the board for all of the churches, even, even to the church at Corinth, which, you know, if you've read the book of Corinthians, first or second, it's kind of like, like keeping up with the Corinthians. Like, that's what the book of Corinthians is. And he even writes the same thing to them in all of the letters across the board except for one. Except for one, and that's the book of Galatians. And he starts out with grace and peace, but listen to what Paul says. I just want to point this out real quick. In verse 6, Paul goes, hey, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Paul's going like, I'm, I'm baffled that you've left the one that you loved. I am baffled that you are, have deserted the one who gave up his life for you, and you've turned off of the gospel to a false gospel. And Paul, and Paul calls this out in this letter. And this pattern from Paul reminds us um, of a scripture memory verse. I'm, I'm going to try to call somebody out here in a second, so just be prepared. Uh, of, of Philippians chapter 4. Verse 6, uh, d- d- does any of my D group people have that? Any, anyone across the board, Philippians 4, 6? Now we're cheating because it's on the screen. It's not even fair, right? Let's just, let's, let's just go back. That's okay. Uh, Philippians 4, 6. Let's just read this together, church. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. See, Paul didn't just, just preach Philippians 4, 6. He practiced it. He didn't just believe it. He was behaving it. And we can see the evidence of it in all of the letters that he writes. He's starting out being thankful in prayer. And so the top priority for Paul again this morning is to give thanks, that he is, he is thankful for the work of the saints. And, and so that, that makes us ask, but, but really, who is the thanks going to? Who is it directed to, church? Well, he tells us there, he says, to my God through Christ Jesus. To my God through Jesus Christ. That's who Paul's thanks is directed toward at the very beginning of this. And, 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 it, and this is good good stuff, man. And, and we sang about this earlier, right? The the second song that we sang, um, that, that, that Jesus, he picked me up, he, he turned me around, you know, he placed my feet on some solid ground. And so I thank the master and I thank the, the savior and I thank God, right? So maybe we're on the right track today. Following what Paul, Paul's thankful to his God. The object of Paul thanks is, is directed to God. And so this is a reminder for us Saints that that the saints' faith, the faith of the saints, is personal. Your faith is personal, okay. the The faith of the saints is public sometimes, and it's it's definitely private sometimes. But it's always personal. It's always relationally driven. It's always about a relationship with Jesus. And so. On this, you need to know that God, he's not in heaven. He's not in heaven as some cl- uh, uh, cosmic clock keeper uh, or an, an, a really old guy with a long gray beard standing beside a clock waiting to punish you and call balls and strikes in your life. That's not who our God is. Even in his title, Emmanuel, he's God with us. He's God for us. He's God among us. And, and our faith in him, it's, it's relationally driven. It's about relationship, and, you know. I was talking to uh, Pastor Isaac the other day, our student pastor, and uh, if you don't know, we've been practicing uh, or experimenting, I should say, with some different methods of, of Sunday morning setup. In case you're unfamiliar, um, and, and so that's why we're we're got the living room set up right now. And actually, next week we're going to shift into another different paradigm. So come back and find out what that looks like. Um, but I was talking to Pastor Isaac about Sunday morning method setup stuff. And uh, he said, and when I asked him a bunch of questions and he and he said this to me, I thought it was really profound. And I want to share it with you guys too, because I think it says a lot about relational relationship. And uh, he said, you know, just from, from it's like we've shifted. It's like we've shifted as a church from corporate business worship, where it was, where it was all of where it was them up there and us down here to Corporate casual worship, where, it's, where it feels like, hey, we're just, we're just a bunch of, of friends, of, of family, together, being together with, with one another. I mean, we are on top of each other right now, you know. And, and, and so the, the point here being church, like, it doesn't matter where we stand at in, in a room, you know. It's that we, would be, that we would be family, that we would be friends, that we would be doing this together as, in, as the saints in the communion of the saints. Amen. That's, that's what's important and 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 so Paul here he makes this personal he he uses that phrase he says this is this is my god this might not be Paul's gospel but this is his god that's what he says this is my god and it doesn't take long at all for the apostle Paul to get to the gospel right look at look at look at what he says there Paul loves the gospel he says that this is through the lens of Christ Jesus and Paul he is so he's so great at this of, of shifting the spotlight off of us and back onto Christ Jesus. Of making Jesus the hero of the of of the story. And, and, and I just I, I love I love this because it's Jesus who's the one that's provided the way for you to have personal relationship with God. He's the one that's created that path, that's paved that path for you. And, and maybe this is insignificant or, 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 or maybe not, but, but Paul, again, he doesn't specifically even thank the Romans for their faith. He, he doesn't specifically thank them, right? Look at, look at, look at what he does. He, he points this to God. It doesn't originate with the Romans, at all but it it starts with it, it it begins at Christ Jesus. And this reminds us, church, that, that faith it's a gift of God to the saints. Your faith is a gift of God. Do you know that? It's not something that that we can just conjure up in of ourselves. It's not something that you can earn by any good work that you do. It's not something that you can get by saying some really kind words. No, no, no. It comes from a gift giver who is God. It doesn't start with you. It starts with him. And and, and in this gift giving, faith is a gift, Romans 5, 8, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, which we'll read in just a second. But in this gift that, that God gives There's no strings attached to it. Otherwise, it it wouldn't be a gift. And so God gives us as a gift. Listen to Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. It says this, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this isn't something that you've done, but it's what? The gift. Of who, church? God. God is the cause. He's the, he's the, the, the root, the source, and the fruit of our faith. He's the one that gives the gift. We are saved. We are saved to God. We are saved for God. We are saved from God. We are saved by God in His grace alone through Christ Jesus. That's the baseline. That's the baseline of our faith, this gift that God God gives to the saints. And and Paul reiterates this again and again. And and, and that little phrase there, look at it through Christ Jesus. I love this, It's, it's a theological mouthful. And, and I don't have time to unpack everything that this is, this is talking about, but Paul's, Paul, this is what Paul's saying. He's going, look, hey, I'm praying these things, and, and I'm praying them in this conscious dependence on the one who's right now at the right hand of the Father, interceding on my behalf. Check this out. It's as if when Paul is inter, interceding for the church at Rome, it's as if God's own son Jesus is, is saying this and interceding on Paul's behalf to God the Father. This is some good news. Do you know that that's who Jesus is? He's your mediator, that the Holy Spirit, uh, God the Holy Spirit, he's your paraclete, he's your defense attorney, that's what that means. And so whenever you're here praying, um, uh, Jesus is in heaven, Hebrews 7.25, he is communicating on your behalf to God the Father because he came to reconcile you. And in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, the idea of a mediator, it was a daysman, uh, or, or you could even translate it as an umpire. But in, in the New Testament, it moves into this ambassador. But the picture of the mediator is that there are two parties at odds, and the mediator comes in to reconcile them together. That's what Jesus is doing right now for you. And that's some good news, church. Jesus is prophet, priest, and king mediating on your behalf, and your faith in him is a gift. And this is similar to last week when Pastor Cody was talking about that, that we have an obedience that flows from our faith. Like out of faith, our, our, our obedience flows. Um, the, the, the obedience comes out of our, our faith. And so similarly here, the objects of thanks is, is to God. But listen, let's be really clear on this. The vehicle, though, the vehicle of thanks, the fruit of the thanks is by way, look at it, is by way of the faith of the saints. That's what he said. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. What's what's he doing here? Your faith is proclaimed in all this world. Well, this is the apostle Paul and he's zooming in. He's zooming in here for your faith is proclaimed. It's being reported all over the world. And on one hand, the Apostle Paul, he's incredibly proud of the testimony that's going around about the church in Rome. Now, there's some things that he'll disagree with, and we'll get to those later. But on one hand, he's incredibly proud because he's like, look, everywhere I go, in the regions outside of Rome, that's what he's talking about in the world, the known world. He like, everywhere I go, I hear people and they won't shut up about your faith. They won't keep telling me about all of all of these things that, that, that Ted is doing and serving the church. They won't, they won't stop telling me about Missy and Matt and how, they, how they've been loving Jesus. That's what he's doing. He said, everywhere I go, people won't, they just won't stop talking about it because of your faith, and it's being proclaimed. And this is a reminder, church, that the faith of the saints, it's proclaimed. It's well known. There, there's no closet Christians There. Everyone knows because they're open, they open their mouths about it. And Paul is excited because the gospel, it's being spread, number one, and and he's celebrating that their faith is spreading too. And so many Roman Christians that are there, the reality is like, we're never going to know their name. We're never going to know, their their name aren't going to be in the scripture. There's a huge list at the end of Romans. A lot of them didn't make that list but I can promise you what did make the scripture the obedience that flowed from their faith because they were faithful in proclaiming the gospel. And, and Pastor John, he said this the other day in our lead team text thread, and it was really good. I wanted to share it. He said it was, it was along the lines of, man, I, it's such a joy to labor alongside of you guys talking about our pastor team. And he said, he said you know, who knows? Maybe even a couple hundred years from now, the church will look back at Rest Church, uh, at, the, at the faith of the saints, and how we flip the world upside down for Jesus. And man, I live, I live for that stuff, man. I live for that. One of my favorite quotes, top three at least, it comes from this book. It's called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. When God's Heart Invades God's People. It's by a guy named Jim Cimbala. And he says this, this is one of my favorite quotes. I despaired at the thought that my life might pass by or slip away without God showing himself mightily on my behalf. Man, I love that. I love that. Because I I, I don't want to look back. You know, I want to I want to have more fear in in, in, in in um following God and failing than I do in not following him. Like where, where he's just he's he, he you know, I, I don't want to live in this just this where it's always systematic, where it's always pre planned, where it's a safety net for me. And God is, is on the outside calling me to go with him. And I'm like, I'm good. And he's showing off everywhere else. I don't want to do that. I want to have some stories to look back and, and tell our boys, Laura. I want to be able to tell them, say, hey, this is sometimes we stepped out in faith and then God showed up even bigger. I want to have a faith that lasts, that actually makes, makes a difference and you know, some people ask us, I was talking to a church planner last week, and 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 people ask us from time to time that they'll they'll come to Cody or, or John or myself and the girls like, How did you guys pull rest church off? And we're like, Man, I have no idea. Like it's just Jesus, like that's the only answer, that's the only explanation. It's just Jesus. He said go and we just we had the faith to go. So I just wonder, church, what will your life's faith proclaim? What will the saints of the future look back at your life and say about your faith? Because, you know, you're going to ultimately decide who and what you base your life on, and you are just here for a flash. The Bible says that you're like a blade of grass that comes and then goes. And so what will you make your life about? What will, what will the saints of the future say about your faith that it was proclaimed? There were Christians in Rome and their faith was being proclaimed outside of Rome. And there's this worldwide network of saints. And the Apostle Paul, what he's doing here is he's, he's cultivating a friendship. He's, he's cultivating a partnership with this church in Rome as he's, as he's heard about the things that they're, they're already up to, that they're already doing for the Lord Jesus and, and so he opens up his heart that, that they might have connections, that they might have communion with him. And what do we find, church, whenever we open up Paul's heart? The gospel. We see the gospel that, that Paul was driven by, the gospel that he was consumed and delighted to, to partner together with other good heralds of this good news. He was delighted that it brought joy and, and caused thanks inside of him. Paul loves the saints at Rome, but also Paul loves the lost, Paul loves the saints, but he also loves the lost. And so Paul uh, is is excited that the saints are there spreading the gospel and celebrating the gospel being spread. That's what saints do. That's what saints do. We spread the gospel and we also celebrate when the gospel's being spread in the circles around us. And I love this. (laughs) Paul's just like, look, let me just say this. First off, first off, first off. I am so thankful, I am so thankful for, for God, or to God through Jesus for every one of you? Because everyone keeps telling me uh, about your faith. And so he's already excited about what God is doing there. He already has this vision of, of what God is doing there. And so let me, let me just bring this to us, church. Does it excite you when your brothers and sisters here in Christ, when they are growing in a hunger and a thirst for the word of God? Does that excite you? Like when they are, they, they are pursuing righteousness, does that, does that make you excited? Whenever people are, are, are coming here and they're meeting Jesus and they're, they're being transferred from spiritual death into spiritual life, does that excite you? This is like the decaf crowd, Cody. <laughs> does that excite you? Woo! Sorry, I'm starting to think we're playing a library, y'all because if it doesn't, it should because it excites the Apostle Paul. He's excited about what Jesus is doing because he knows what Jesus has done in him and he wants everybody to have it. He wants everybody to experience that same thing. And look, I'm I'm not gonna stay here too long. We We gotta move on. But what you're thankful for really reveals a lot about you. What you're thankful for really reveals a lot about you. Saints are by nature thankful people. Being thankful is an essential grace for every single believer. Do you know that? Paul has this attitude of gratitude, and you, you often maybe wonder why. Why, why, are, why, are, why are believers or why should saints be so thankful? It's, it's because of this. We know that we didn't get what we deserved. That's it. When God looked at you and you, 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 you put your life into His life, He gave you exactly what you didn't deserve. And that was abundant eternal life. When the scripture says, hey, we deserve spiritual and eternal death because of our sin. And that causes this this thankfulness inside of us as as the saints of God. Like you might find yourself in a spot at work or, or at school that would cause other people to literally pull their hair out, but not you. Not you, saint, because you are thankful. You know God didn't give you what you deserved. Or maybe you're facing a health problem that's totally outside of your control, that you, you don't have any control over, and where everyone else would, 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 would be fretting, you're not. You're thankful because your, your, your joy isn't based off of the circumstances, but it's based off of a person. Are you, are you, are you thankful, church? Pastor Greg Rochelle says this. He says, whenever we place our discontented egos... On an altar of gratitude, we develop uh, contented altar egos that are filled with, with, with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving that's right. It's filled with Thanksgiving you have a you have a different altar that's an intentional spelling alter ego there whenever you come to, to God and in gratitude, when we place our discontented egos on the altar of gratitude, we develop contented, alter egos filled with thanksgiving. The Apostle Paul, man, he had his own labors, he had his own struggles, he had his own pain. But, but, but remember what he wrote in Philippians chapter 4, likely in, in, in a prison in Rome, he says this, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who, who, who strengthens me. No matter where Paul's at, no matter what is going on around the apostle Paul, this saint, he always is, is thankful. He knows how to be thankful in any and in every circumstance, whether high or whether low. And so let me leave you this, and we'll move, we'll move forward. I think maybe this is the missing component in our prayer life, thankfulness. Thankfulness, like when you, when you survey your own prayer life, is it filled with a spirit of thankfulness? Like when you open up to God, does it, does it start, does it begin with, with, with thanks? Because sometimes what we fail or what we so easily fail to see is that the things that God is currently doing or has done already and when we forget to look back at how God's already been faithful in our lives, it's easy, Then it's easy when we're not reminded about what he's already done, about how he's already been faithful. And so when we look back, what it'll do sometimes is it'll cause us to be thankful because we can point back to where God came in and showed up for us already. We're looking through the scriptures, and it's like, what are we, why, do we, why do we default here? It's because we're not, we're not remembering. Even in our prayer life, we're not thankful To God. And so, look, if you're puzzled about how to increase in your prayer life, start with thankful prayers. Start with thankful prayers. Before you bring your pain, before you bring your problem, before you start bringing needs and nags and complaints, bring thanks. Bring thanks to God. Because remember, we're a people who got exactly what we didn't deserve. Causes thanks. And so I just—I'll ask you, church. Do you, when you when you pray, do you bring? Do you tend to bring more more complaints than, than compliments? Or or when you're talking to God's people, do you tend to bring more complaints than you do compliments? Do you have a spirit, an attitude of gratitude like the apostle Paul? Paul is excited. He's encouraged. This is what the saints do, church. They are thankful. That's the thankful part. Moving on. Next, Paul he follows this note of thankfulness. Say thankful. He follows his note of thankfulness, um, talking about his own intercession for the church in Rome, verses 9 and 10, or 10a. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayer. This is the, the part of Paul praying for the saints, and he makes a promise here. He says this, for God as my witness... For God as my witness, that's kind of a weird thing to say, you know. This, But this isn't the Apostle Paul just politicking, okay? He's not just saying this for superficiality to the church of Rome. So they think, oh, what a, what a great guy, the Apostle Paul. That's not the idea of it here. The Apostle Paul is saying this so that they can know the truthfulness and the trustworthiness of his claim. And when he says, for God as my witness here, what this is, this is similar as to you and I, if we were to go into a courtroom <laughs> and the judge would ask you, are you going to tell the truth? And we put our hand on the Bible and we go, which hand do you put on the Bible, by the way? Right. I'm going to put both hands on the Bible. That feels more spiritual. Uh, I don't know which one it is. Um, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God, right? Right? We, it, that's, that's what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He's, he's putting his hand on the Bible. And he's saying, look, we, I, I don't know you guys. You don't know me. I've never met you. Church at Rome. Saints at Rome. I've heard about you. We've never met. But, but God knows that every time I pray, every time I get down in prayer, I'm thanking you. I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. And this trustworthy, this saying is trustworthy, and it is true. And people sometimes they will they will like to stack this up against Matthew five, um, where Jesus says, "Let your yes be yes, and your no be no." And I want to tag that really, really quickly. Matthew five thirty four through thirty seven. It's not on the screen, so you have to write it down. Um. So, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Some people go, oh, you don't, you can't make any oaths. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Well, the thing is, um, Jesus and God, He loves covenant. And in covenant, uh, it's the, 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 the explaining, exchanging, and maintaining of vows. That's what it is. That's what, and that's what an oath is. And in the Bible, we see all sorts of covenants, right? We see uh, the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, the Mosaic covenant. Uh, uh, we see the new covenant. And when you get to the New Testament, God loves covenant. And so there's nothing wrong with, with, with uh, t- taking an oath. In fact, we have covenant family partners here. And the reason we do that is because we say, hey, look, this is where we're at. We want to explain real clear, be clear what we're about, what we do. And if you want to jump in, here's who we are. That's covenant. Covenant. And so, plus the whole point of what Jesus is saying in in Matthew 5 isn't about we aren't to take oaths, but it's about if we take an oath, we shouldn't take the oath frivolously or lightly. But we should say what we mean and mean what we say. That's what Jesus is getting at. So, that's just a side note. That's for free. Um, But we know Paul's sincerity here because Paul says this. Look at the text. He says, this is the God whom I serve with my spirit, that means from his heart, in the gospel of his of his son and that word that's highlighted spirit there Paul's talking about this is his inner man this is from the depth of the apostle Paul's soul and so this isn't a superficial claim. It's not just for appearances. Paul's not, Paul's not serving the saints and serving the church so that people will look in and point at Paul and go, hey, look, Paul sure serves a lot. That's, that's, not, that's not what Paul's getting at. He says, hey, this comes up. This comes from a place deep inside of me because I love Jesus, and this is the natural outflow of me loving Jesus. That's what, that's what Paul's saying there from his, from his spirit, praying for the saints in the gospel of God's son. It's a God-centered passion. And, and and Paul, he's he's like, hey, all of this that I'm saying, be, being in prayer, being thankful. God, he's he's the witness to this. He can vouch for me in, in me saying these sort of things, that there's truthfulness to this. And in Paul's ministry, it has a vertical and horizontal dimension to it. That this isn't this isn't a Paul complaining to God, but this is Paul's worshipful act of service to God. And so this is a reminder for you and me, saints that the saints don't have to do this, that we get to do this. Do you know that? You know you don't have to come to church? You know you get to come to church? You know you don't have to have to serve people, but you get to serve people just as Jesus Christ has come to first serve you. If you've been blessed, financially even, when you bless someone else and Jesus is, because Jesus has blessed you, you don't, you don't have to do that, you get to do that. How great is that? How great is that? And you know, sometimes when people look at the Apostle Paul, they take this survey of, of him and they go, well, he's you know, super, he's doctrinal and he's systematic and he's philosophical and he's so disconnected. And that couldn't be further from the truth, church. Paul loves the saints. Paul loves the church that's planted in Rome. And, and, and sure there are some things that he's going to disagree with and they've got their differences and they're going to work through them in this letter. I can promise you that. They're going to work through those things. But Paul is united in, with them in love under the banner of Christ. And I had something about communion, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to pull that verse up really really quickly, Caleb. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11 verse 29, this verse here. And I highlighted um, just discerning the body. So so it's talking about whenever you come to communion with one another, uh, to communion, that you are to discern the body. And, and, and discern the body here, it's not, it's not about that somehow the, 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 the blood and body of Jesus magically transform into the literal blood and body of Jesus. That's not what he's saying. He says discern the body. And just really quickly, who's the body? You are, right? The saints are. And and so he says, when you you come together, you are to discern the body. And I just wonder, do you discern the body? He says, if you don't, you're eating and drinking judgment on yourself. Do do you love the body? Because here's the picture, don't miss this. Whenever, Whenever Christ has grafted you into his family, whenever you have joined into him, you've also been joined together into his body. Do you love the body well? Or or, or is it that the things that that don't matter separate you? And I said it like this, that we need to ask ourselves, are the things of God that unite us more significant than the earthly things that separate us? Are the things of God that unite you and me together, is that more important, the eternal things? Is that more important than the, the transitory, the earthly things that are all gonna pass away? of course, of course. We're a body, and, and we're, we're all different, and that's what makes the body beautiful. We're all united under, under the banner of Christ together. And so Paul, he's, he's, he's interceding constantly with them. He's, he goes on, he says, without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayer. And, and, and to me, really, this is this, the big idea of this whole passage is that for the saints, everything starts with prayer. Everything starts with prayer. I mean, and what it's doing here at the very beginning is that it's building relationship with people. It's building a relationship with people. Because Paul knows there's a, there's a physical distance between him and the church at Rome. And he knows that the easiest way for him to bridge that physical gap, if he can't get there, is to pray. Prayer is the shortest distance between two people. And that's what he's doing. He's building a relationship with the, with the church at Rome. And I'm, I'm teaching my, uh, my upper basketball team, my first and second graders, uh, at a real basic level about this right now, about conversational prayer, that whenever you pray, it's just you talking to God. Do you know that? When you read the Bible, that's God talking to you. And and so in any good friendship, in any good relationship, there's a balance of that communication, right? There's a balance. There's a lot of listening and there's some speaking, that's what that's what conversational prayer is. That's what 1 Thessalonians 5.17 is, where he says, pray continually. And you can do this for short times or extended times. You can, you can journal your prayers, you can write them, you can art them, you can sing them. There's all sorts of ways you can pray. You can pray at a variety of times throughout your day. But Paul, the apostle Paul's letting us know here that, like, look, some businesses they have closing hours, but heaven, it's open all the time. And he's saying, look, I'm going, I'm going in front of the throne of the Father for you all of the time without ceasing when we were we were talking in my in my d group last week uh keaton had shared this this story with us he was uh, on the way on his way home driving uh back from to pick up some wood for his business and and he's seen a vehicle on the side of the road that was on fire and in that moment the holy spirit you know it prompted him for him to pray Right, and, and and so we got to talking about this in our group, and it, it mentioned a, a guy that had been walking up, was kind of just casually walking with his fire extinguisher to the, the vehicle that was on fire. And we were talking about it, and we were like, man, you know, don't we, don't we treat um, our, our sense of urgency around evangelism that same sort of way sometimes? Just casually carrying our fire extinguisher, or, or even in our prayer life, we just kind of casually pray. Somebody asks you to pray for them, and you're like, okay, I'll pray for your brother, blah, 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 and then you never do it. And, and it's like, man, the, the Apostle Paul here, he's, he's praying consistently, and there's a sense of urgency in his writing as he's praying. And, and for you and I, like, what we'll, what we'll do sometimes is we'll literally smell the smoke of hell on someone. Or, or someone will be in literal f- flames from their circumstances around them, and we just kind of casually take our fire extinguisher to, to help them out. It's like, is that is that or, or I'd be taking a step further and and we'll go, well, well, you know, I don't, I I don't wanna I don't wanna go over there and put out the fire on them because I don't want them to know that they're on fire. It might offend them if I tell them that they're on fire. I don't want them, I don't want them to get wet from the you know the fire extinguisher. Or 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 worse yet, we don't even know the word of God well enough that we don't have anything to put them out with. And so we let the fire extinguisher back at home. Do so you have a sense of urgency and consistency? In your prayer life, like the apostle Paul does. Are you just a casual fire extinguisher? For the saints, everything should start with prayer. And Paul, man, he wants to get to Rome. He wants to get to Rome, but Paul knows if he can't get there, he knows that he can pray. So hear me on this, church. You might not can do anything else in the church to serve the church, but what you can always do is you can always pray. And those prayers always matter. Here it was a local prayer that made a global impact. Your prayer always, always, always matters. And so Paul has this shepherd's heart. He's been praying for them. And and now we're going to see the missionary side of Paul's heart as he makes this plan um, to come to them. Verse 10b, last part, wrapping this up. He says, "Asking asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed... And coming to you, Paul, he makes a plan, or he prays and he makes a plan. Paul prays and then he makes a plan. How many of you would say like if that was the, if those were the two categories, pray and plan? How many of you would say like I'm more I lean more into the prayer side than I do the plan side? Raise your hand. Like I'm more prayer, I'm more prayer than planner. Okay, several of us. How many of you would say okay? Well, I'm I'm probably more planner than I am prayer. I like to. Make a plan. I'm really more of a planner, okay? Well, uh, a few weekends ago, me and my, my wife, Laura, we were getting ready, or she was getting ready to head out to St. Louis to visit her dad. He, he had open heart surgery, and I originally wasn't going to go, and then the Holy Spirit kind of prompted me and said, hey, you should go. So like an hour before, I said, okay. And just so you know how my brain works, I'm, a, I'm typically a planner. Whenever I said okay, I started to make a plan. And so I laid out our boys' clothes on the bed and color-coordinated them for the weekend with matching socks and underwear so that we could be ready to go when it was time to go. I love when a good plan together comes together. How many of you love when a good plan comes together? You've accepted Excel into your heart. Who's that? <laughs> right? Yeah, well, the Apostle Paul, the picture here he's saying about the saints is that for the saints, it takes both prayer and planning. It takes both. It takes both prayer and planning. And so, the, the point of this is that in Christian leadership, if you're a saint, it means that you're a leader, because somebody's always coming behind you, somebody's always following you. And whenever you, whenever you pray, it's you asking, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And then, after you, you, you hear from God, you know what he wants you to do, the, the, the way you make your plan is you go, okay, God, now how do you want me to do it? So what do you want me to do, and okay, how, how do you want me to accomplish this? In particular here, Paul asks, look at the text, by God's will. He asks by God's will that it might be opened up for him to get to Rome. He, like, he doesn't even know yet at this point. He's saying, hey, if this is in your will, I want I to I wanna get to Rome to be with the saints there, to, to help forward the gospel going into Spain. And, and this is where prayer takes hold, man, because prayer not only builds your relationship with other people, right? When you pray for other people, it gives you God's heart for people, but it also and it builds um, your relationship with God, but also prayer will clarify God's will in your life. Did you know that? Prayer will clarify God's will in your life. Okay, Caleb, there's a lot of thinking about the will of God, and we're just going to skip through that. But what I want you to see here is that Paul, he's going to he's gonna get to Rome eventually in accordance with the will of God, by the providence of God. That's how Paul's going to get to Rome. But notice that Paul is not paralyzed by God's sovereignty. Let me say that again. Paul is not paralyzed by the sovereignty of God here. He doesn't sit back and go, well, I guess I'm never going to get to Rome. I guess I just do nothing. That's not what Paul does. That's not his approach because he tries to get to Rome numerous times, multiple ways, but it just hasn't been the right time yet. So Jesus has blocked those for him. And when you and I think about this, we typically think about it as um, in terms of like God opening doors and closing doors. You ever heard anybody say that? i said that a million times. Uh, God opens the door and closed another door. And typically what we mean whenever we say, well, I guess God closed the door on that plan is like what we, what we mean is that we got to the door, the proverbial door, we rattled the knob a little bit. And then we just walked away and decided that it was closed. That's not the approach the Apostle Paul takes, uh-uh. especially in getting to Rome even. The Apostle Paul, he tries to reckless love that thing and he tries to kick it down three or four times to get there, but it just hasn't been the right time yet, but he hasn't given up. And then eventually we know that the Apostle Paul would make it to Rome and that the Lord Jesus would bring the Apostle Paul there as a prisoner in chains. And you know what? Paul was delighted. Paul was delighted. He endured the weight of being a prisoner for the joy that was set before him to be a witness to Rome in the same way that Jesus did on the cross. And so saints, they pray, they plan, and they pursue And Paul's prayer report shows us a church of saints who are serving. Saints that operate from this gift of faith that God has given to them, that they proclaim and they celebrate and they're excited when the gospel is is being spread. The saints, they don't have to do this. They get to do this. And it starts with prayer because prayer builds, builds our relationship with one another and it builds our relationship with God and it clarifies God's will in our life. And all of it is is, is surrounded like a Snuggie with this uh, heart of thankfulness. And so let me end where Paul started. What a privilege it is to be a a preacher here at Rest Church. I've I've worked in large churches and small churches all over the country, different denominations, and I can tell you this, they are not all created equally. And for that, I want to say thank you. Thank you. Man, when I look back at, at, at eight years ago now, um, about how God used a group of guys like us and a group of saints like you to build his church, man, and, and, and still every Sunday when I walk in this place, I still believe, I still believe that the rest is yet to come, that God's best rest for his church and for his people is still yet to come. And so I just wanna, I wanna start where, 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 where Paul starts and say, thank you. Thank you for serving. Thank you for those of you who serve week over week over week, who give your life up for the gospel. And I'm, you know, we sang this song at the very beginning of service, and uh, it it was called This Is Our God. And in the bridge, there was this, it said this um, it said, Now there are altars in the wilderness. Altars in the wilderness, and so there's a lot of references to that. But I think of Exodus chapter 17. I think that verse is up there, Caleb, uh, 14 through 16. And this is uh, the context here. I promise you, it's almost over. The context, though, here uh, for this story, this verse, is that the people of Israel had been led out of exile under Egyptian slavery, and um, they're in the in, in the wilderness at first, and they're thirsty, and they start complaining. They've just been freed from slavery, and now they're complaining because they're thirsty. That's a whole nother sermon. And then, uh, in the the story here, the historical account, the people of Israel, they get entangled into this fight with uh, with Amalek, and as long as Moses' hands are up in the air, supported by his pastor team, um, his co-pastors, his friends, which is another sermon in itself— uh, they, they're going to win the fight, and they do end up winning, and God tells Moses to write it down. And so he says, then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book, and recite it in the ears of Joshua. And Moses built an altar and co- called the name of it, the Lord is my banner. And the Hebrew there is Yahweh Nisi, so that everyone would remember generation after generation after generation about what God had already done about what God had previously done. And I brought an altar I wanted to show you this morning. Pull that picture up, Caleb. This is this is kind of an altar for us of where we've been, some places we've been and started. And, you know, to think back and look at that, you know, 26-year-old guy, 25-year-old guy, group of guys that, that planted this. And, like, we really didn't know anything, and we still don't know much, but we know a little bit more than we did then. And I am so thankful, I am so thankful for Rest Church. I am so thankful for the saints here, for you. Whenever we first planted, I selfishly prayed. I prayed, I said, God, help us make a place that my boys want to be at, that they want to go to, help us to reach men. That's what I prayed. And, you know, can I tell you, my wife can testify to this, every single week when it's not Sunday, my boys will come in the living room and they'll go, Daddy, hey, can we go to church today? And it's not even Sunday. And that might not mean much to you, but that means everything to me. That they want to be a part of this. And so my prayer for us, Rest Church, is that we would look back um, at the altars that we've created in the past, and not only would it serve as a biography of how God has showed up here, but it would be signposts and way markers of, of those who are coming behind us in our wake. And it should give us faith and zeal and courage to know, hey, God's already done this, and I know he's going to do more. And that's my prayer. So just let me say thank you. If you serve in our kids week over week, thank you. If you serve in student ministry week over week, thank you. If you're a d-group or a rest group leader, thank you. For our deacons, our pastors, our leaders here, thank you for serving. Because at the Church of Rome, it's the saints who serve. And so thank you for being a saint who serves. See, we don't want to just have a good Sunday or a good time, but we want to leave a good legacy.